Welcome everyone to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host, Kareem Anderson, and we have a week of news. Uh, We have news about regulations, regulatory bodies. We have Microsoft adding and stuffing things more into Outlook. We got news about all kinds of things. Uh, Some of the biggest headlines for this week start off with Phil, uh, Xbox head Phil Spencer releasing a statement about uh, the UK's concerns about the Activision Blizzard acquisition. Um, the statement came out and it seemed like everyone kind of ran with this before he actually got to find out the root cause of it. But according to a blog post uh, posted by Phil Spencer, uh, where he says Activision Blizzard has some of the world's best selling and most recognizable gaming franchises such as Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, uh, and, and thus... The CMA is concerned that if Microsoft buys Activision Blizzard, it could harm rivals, including recent and future entrants into gaming by refusing them access to Activision Blizzard games or providing access on much worse terms. He basically wrote an entire blog post saying, hey, guys, don't worry about it. We plan to keep a lot of the deals in place. And for anything that you are concerned about, we also are going to move to the cloud so that uh, this idea that we have a industry leading console business, which, you know, there's a distant second as of right now, at least as of last generation, uh, it won't be a thing because we're going to be putting everything to the cloud and people will be able to get their things, get their games, have access to it via the cloud or PC. Uh, and those things that were accessible on PS4 will remain to be on PS4. Uh, as far as the specific concerns that the CMA, which is the consumer regulatory body in the UK, is concerned about, uh, it goes as such. Um uh, the CMA has also received evidence, and this is you know based on their uh, reporting that they have. The CMA has also received evidence about the potential impact of combining Activision Blizzard with Microsoft's broader ecosystem. Microsoft already has a leading gaming console, Xbox, a leading cloud platform, Azure, and the leading PC operating system, Windows, all of which could be import, uh, important to the success in cloud gaming. The CMA is concerned that Microsoft could leverage Activision Blizzard's game uh, games together with Microsoft strength uh, across consoles, cloud, and PC operating systems to damage competition in the nascent market for cloud gaming. <clears throat> what they're addressing is the fact that PlayStation is just now or rebooting their cloud uh, streaming service. I guess they don't consider Luna any t- sort of competition, unfortunately, and the same goes with Stadia, uh, which, again, could all be separate arguments. The CMA considers that, that these concerns warrant an in-depth phase two investigation. Microsoft and Activision Blizzard now have five working days, this came out earlier this week, to submit proposals to address the CMA's concern. If suitable proposals are not submitted, the deal will be referred to phase two investigation. This is essentially a threat to Microsoft, uh, which prompted the blog post that we got from Phil Spencer. Now, those of you wondering what does a phase two investigation involve, uh, it allows an in-depth panel of experts to probe in more depth the risks that are identified in phase one. Uh, at phase two, the CMA appoints an independent panel to examine the deal in more depth and evaluate whether it's uh, more likely than not that a substantial lessening of competition will occur as a result of the merger, a higher threshold than phase one. Uh, it is typically built on the work and evidence of phase one with uh, with more third-party engagement, uh, yeah, engagement via request or information and uses the statutory powers in gathering internal documents. So they're basically going to come over all the deals and see if there are any loopholes that Microsoft might try and le- uh, levy or leverage to you know, give themselves a leg up. Now, what Microsoft kind of has going for them, I suppose, is that as this investigation is underway, uh, Sony just uh, signed a mobile gaming division. I think they just 
uh, picked up another studio as well. So, I mean, Microsoft can point to saying, hey, you know, as much as you are worried about us, there is Sony making smaller deals, but multiple smaller deals to compete. So unless you plan to regulate them the same way, perhaps let us get through with this. Uh, I don't think they're going to use those words because that's not legalese and it may just sound rude. Uh, so we'll continue to keep an eye on this and see where this goes. As of right now, my uh, Phil Spencer's got a lot of tap dancing to do to assuage fears, especially based on Microsoft's historical presence in the UK and anti-competitive uh, knocks that they've had against them. Hopefully they don't bring, the UK doesn't uh, evaluate based on historicals of that and just based on individual purchases at the time of purchase. Uh, otherwise, it could be seem like an unfair uh, ruling against them based on a different segment. A business that they're trying to get into or leverage. Moving on, uh, we have the EU sort of doing the same thing, but when it comes to cloud licensing, and for good reason. Um, we have the headline that Microsoft addresses anti-competitive cloud licensing, but only in certain regions. And back in 2019, Microsoft uh, changed the way it structured its licensing deals for uh, Azure and other uh, cloud-based software and how it integrates with third-party platforms. Basically, what they did was they raised the price across the board, uh, but then built in steep incentives and discounts into first-party integration. So if you're already using Windows OS, a lot of the stuff that you tied into with Azure just you know was was ready and supported all of these discounts, which made it just kind of a no-brainer for people who were using those uh, platforms together. Unfortunately, if you were using Google or AWS, it, you know, it was really unfair, it seemed least, least uh, pricing-wise, pricing to continue to do so. And they've been doing this, like I said, for about three years now, and people have been complaining. And uh, it got to the point where it was boiling over and the, U, uh, the EU decided to step in and say, hey, you need to do something about this because this is getting ridiculous. So earlier this week, Microsoft announced that there are changes to its EU cloud licensing structure, uh, and they did this via a blog post titled, Making European Cloud Providers More Competitive. And here are some of the things that they decided to do to address this. Um, they will introduce a new flexible virtualization benefit for customers that will greatly expand customer choice when outsourcing. Using under the benefits, customers with software assurance or subscription licensing will be able to use their own licensed software to build and or install solutions and run them on any cloud provider's first uh, cloud provider's infrastructure. The other thing that they're going to be doing is that they will be adding options for customers with software assurance or subscription licenses to Windows, uh, Windows servers and on virtual core bases. Under this model, customers can buy licenses from only the virtual cores that they need subject to a per VM minimum without being tied to a physical number of cores on the server. Another thing that they're going to be doing is they're making it easier to virtualize Windows 10 or Windows 11 by eliminating the virtual desktop application VDA add-on licensing requirement for Microsoft 365 F3s and Microsoft, Microsoft 365 E3s and E5s as well. So that should help with uh, people who are running these things um, in Linux or whatnot. Uh, the other thing they're going to be doing is under the new flexible virtualization benefits, customers can now uh, work with partners in the cloud, uh, cloud solutions provider program to get pre-built hosted desktops and server solutions on, uh, and either bring their own license or get the license from the partner. And lastly, customers will have the choice of one and three year subscriptions for many products, including Windows Server, remote desktop servers, and SQL servers through partners in the cloud solutions program uh, provider program. 
So these are some things that they've done. Uh, I believe that these go into effect October 1st, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I think in between, you know, at least in the next four weeks, they're going to be working with uh, some of their partner solutions to kind of make their pricing a little more sustainable and kind of in line with, you know, their, uh, I guess, competition or partners, so to speak, third, third party partners in AWS and Google. Um, again, this only applies to uh, the EU, unfortunately, despite there being complaints from people in the US as well. Um, we don't know when or if that will be addressed, but uh, for those of you in the EU region, EU region look to have uh, these discounts and these uh, pricing changes uh, occur October 1st. Now, moving on to Monday, because those are just some of the big headlines. We also had regular news to deal with. Microsoft Excel now lets users insert images in cells. Uh, and you sort of could do this in a very uh, rudimentary way in Excel, but <clears throat> Microsoft recently rolled out a new feature to Excel in the Office Insider program, the image function, which allows users to insert images directly into cells. Previously, when inserting images into cells, the presentation was not seamless, as I just mentioned. Uh, again, this is for insiders, unfortunately, but I do think this will be rolling out pretty soon. So if you're in the insider program, and I do mean for Office, not just Windows, uh, you should be able to see this feature. And hopefully, I don't know, they didn't label a time frame for when it's going to be built for everybody, but I would assume uh, probably the next month or so, uh, depending on if they keep the history with the releases from insider programs to live programs the same. Uh, moving on to Tuesday. Microsoft uh, to-do rolls out to Outlook for Windows. So the big, heavy, honking Outlook client for Windows is now getting to-dos in it. Uh, and it, you'll, if you haven't gotten it yet, you'll notice it uh, in the top left corner, kind of where they're bundling a bunch of uh, additional things like calendar and um, contacts and some other things that are going to be in that, that left-hand panel. And that's where you'll see it. What this means is that users can now, be, according to Microsoft, be more productive. We hear that word all the time. Uh, to do tasks uh, and planning your day right from the Outlook windows. Uh, it comes with a dark theme. These are some of the specifics. It comes with a dark theme to enhance readability that can easily be set by changing your Outlook theme to dark. Microsoft To Do is also available in Microsoft, to Microsoft 365 current channel users running the following versions of Outlook for Windows. And those versions count as 2201, build 14827.20000 uh, or later. And then current channel version is 2207, build 15427.20,000 and later. Uh, again, if you, and it makes sense because, I mean, if you go to your to-do, you can integrate your flagged emails as top priority and they show up in your to-do list as to basically take care of. And it only makes sense that, you know, this kind of feature works backwards at the same thing. So you can basically go from uh, putting things in your to-do on your phone, on your mobile device or whatever, and having them show up in Outlook and remembering to do them. Because there are a lot of times where people are out and about, myself included, and we make a to-do, and then you get home and your device isn't with you, and you're, it's going off somewhere else in the room, making noise saying, hey, do me, do me. And you're like, well, I don't remember it because I left it somewhere else. Now to show up on your desktop. Uh, for those of you who think this is information overload, I also agree with that too. So. Uh, it's, I don't know how the performance is going to make, you know, going to be or altered with this, uh, being added to Outlook. I will test it and let you guys know, but hopefully, you know, with this new Outlook client, 
it'd be lighter and all these new features that they're adding would just be icing on the cake versus like a heavy syrup on a ton of sloppy pancakes. Microsoft uh, on Tuesday also applied for a US trademark for xCloud, <clears throat> which seems odd because they've had it in project mode for it feels like three and a half, four years now. Uh, I don't know if this is someone who let it slip through the cracks or if this is going to be kind of a SkyDrive situation all over again. But on Tuesday, Microsoft applied for the US trademark for xCloud. And this was uh, brought to us via Illumia Italia, which is uh, the Italian website slash Twitter handle that we follow for a lot of, uh, inf you know, sleuth or leaked information. So uh, again, we're kind of predicting that they're just going to officially call it xCloud, even though at We've all been calling it xCloud, so this just makes sense. We'll see if they get it granted, though, because, you know, some people might have just bought it and sat on it three and a half years ago when they started testing it. So we wish them the best of luck for it because I don't want to have to start calling it OneCloud like we had to do with OneDrive from SkyDrive. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, Microsoft launches an adoption score to help customers optimize my, my Microsoft 365 subscriptions. Uh, and again, this is on Wednesday. The new adoption score is basically a program that is relabeled after, I think, what was it called? Uh, it used to be called something, a productivity score. Uh, and what it does is it gives admins basically an employee score on the programs that they're using, the amount of time it takes them to get acquainted with it, uh, the productivity levels from those programs. It's kind of a nanny state, to be honest with you. Uh, but for those who want to optimize their work environments uh, and maybe just help their employees, maybe this is a genuine altruistic endeavor, uh, they've now renamed it and given it some new features. The adoption score is available as a compatibility uh, is available as a compatibility within Microsoft 365 Admin Center. So if you have that, you can go find it there. Global admins must approve both adoption score and the people experiencing the categories to see uh, times and trends, which is new features that they're adding to it. Microsoft, you know, pleads that this, you know, is privacy uh, first and privacy driven. So a lot of the information is uh, anonymized. Um, you basically, the admins will just see, hey, we implemented um, maybe Microsoft Stream or Viva or something like that. And here's a score for it after four weeks. You know, people are struggling with it. And so maybe we need to make some tweaks to it. Or people have adopted it and moved quickly on with it. Or maybe we had a new feature in Outlook and people have adopted that and moved on with it. The other thing that happened on Wednesday was Microsoft uh, has a new game install options for Xbox OS. So this is the best part, you know, for those of you who still have an Xbox One or, you know, or an Xbox S or an aging Xbox piece of hardware, uh, more modern ones, uh, you'll now be able to assign where games are stored. Uh, Xbox gamers will soon be able to select default storage locations for different game types thanks to the new feature. And this is only in the alpha ring as of right now, but hopefully it'll roll out to everybody else. So if you, again, have an expansion card, a thumb drive or something like that, and you want to put um, some of those uh, older 360 compatible, backwards compatible games on there just to have, plug it into your device and run it from there because they're not, you know, uh, super modern games that need to be optimized for the Xbox One and you need to have the storage on there. You'll be able to store a lot more on these. And again, they'll just go directly to it. Uh, so there's a new interface for that. Um, hopefully uh, they bring that to any future hardware as well. It should be that simple to just assign it to where you want to. Thursday, we had some big news about the US Army continuing to use or test 
HoloLens headsets, um, the IVS technology that they've uh, acquired, or, you know, been working with the military, is still going forward. There was a bit of controversy. I mean, a bit, a ton of controversy for this whole project uh, leading up to the May testing, I believe. They had about a month of field testing to get through. And the U.S. Army had said that it would determine after that field test whether or not they're going to move forward with the program. Leading up to that, they had been making a bunch of cuts. They've also been doubting the technology and Microsoft's ability to keep up with their standards. But it seems like all is going well. Uh, according to a, uh, a post from the defense blog, the IVS capabilities have been significantly expanded in the last iteration. And that's quoting David Morris, uh, the lead network engineer for MITRE Corporations and Army Platform Division. Quote, the major new technologies we're experimenting with today are the Tactical Scalable Manet. Uh, I don't know if that's an acronym. It's A. It's M A N E T waveform, which is bringing down bringing data down to forward te uh, tactical edge to the dismounted soldiers and the vehicles, and connecting those systems together so that everybody has awareness of where the others are. Uh, Moore said, "You can send messages, lay down graphic overlays, mission data, etc., so that you've got better capabilities that." That previously were only available at a command post. So again, you're basically putting a command post on your head and being able to give out orders and geolocations and a bunch of other things. Uh, the other big news is that they're testing out with something called uh, Striker. Uh, the Striker apparently is an eight-wheeled, uh, eight-wheeled vehicle, or un I don't know if it's unmanned or, or it's an eight-wheeled vehicle that will allow soldiers to basically, you know, uh, use, I guess, less bodies and de or deploy fewer human bodies into the field, but get, you know, be as effective as they need to be. Uh, includes just having the gun camera and the relatively small forward and reverse cameras on this uh, striker device. Now we've got the high-end cameras all the way around the vehicles with both day and night vision. The soldiers uh, wearing the new IVS technology are able to use those cameras and access them while they're en route to mission. Instead of staring at a blank steel wall, they can keep up with what's going on around the vehicle. They can also switch to tactical map modes so they can see what's going on around their broader mission area. So again, they send this vehicle in as kind of a scout um, and they can see, you know, all kind of map overlays uh, through, you know, they can also turn on different heat visions and other vision, visionary um, led uh, technologies to kind of navigate this. And again, like I said, this is all in hopes of sending fewer people into battle or combat situations to, you know, lose their life. That's always a good thing. Lastly, we have this Friday. Uh, this is where Surface Duo 2 stock is running out news information. Um, basically, it seems like on the Microsoft website that they are no longer fulfilling uh, device orders for the Surface Duo 2. Uh, and like I said, this is kind of leading to a section I'm going to do in a second about uh, Surface hardware rumors and roundups. Now, the other thing I'm going to say for Friday before we get into the Surface stuff is that Halo Infinite's local campaign split uh, screen co-op has been canceled. So if you're telling your buddy, get ready, we're going to hop on the couch and get back to, you know, 2000 and start playing video games the old, old school way. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. And this is the reason why. In order to improve and accelerate ongoing live services development and to better, better address player feedback and quality of life updates, we have relocated uh, reallocated, sorry, studio resources and are no longer working on local campaign split uh, split screen co-op. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I started playing Halo to begin with and I was super excited for it. So I'm very disappointed in this. I wish more games will imp implement the uh, couch co-op uh, avail uh, availability and support because, you know, again, 
it's harder to get these consoles these days. And if you have a buddy who has it, I think it'd just be great to, you know, be able to play co-op. And even if you play co-op online, that's just more people playing uh, instead of forcing us all to have our individual consoles and find our own individual screens. You know, what if you have a family member now you have to buy, I mean, I know it's great for business, but you have to buy two Xboxes and you have to play in different rooms because you're not going to have two screens set up. I can just hop on the couch with my brother and sister and we can get going at a game. I think that is great. And I thought Halo would, you know, be one of the use case, you know, the best showcases for it because it was back in the day. Uh, like I said, this, the last bit of things that we're going to talk about is the Surface Roundup, which is basically, again, rumors about the Surface Duo running out and what that can mean for Surface Duo 3. Uh, that Microsoft is focusing on 12L, getting that out the door, maybe 13 as well, depending on if you have a Duo or a Duo 2, uh, and that they are basically wiping the, you know, wiping the board clean of all Duo devices and Duo development and support, so they can focus on this next Duo device. I don't believe that. I think they are just not selling it. Uh, some people are speculating they're going to flash a new set, a new round of devices with 12L before they start reselling them again which would make it easier than you know having to do a bunch of over-the-air updates, so to speak. Uh, so that's one rumor. The other rumor we have is about the Surface Pro 9 coming up and the Surface Pro X and what that could mean when they combine the two, potentially. Uh, again, our buddy over at Windows Central, Zach Bowden, was talking about, you know, there's rumors that Microsoft may combine the Surface Pro X this year with the Surface Pro, I think the 9 is the one that they're going to be coming out with. Uh, and I mean, there's all the more reason to believe that because they have the same, essentially the same chassis, one's a little thicker than the other. Uh, so they can essentially go in and start making the distinction between fanless and not, uh, and ones with fans. And those would just be the Intel models. Uh, the other rumor, the other reason why this has life to it is because uh, a lot of us in the industry believe that Windows and ARM is getting a second, third, maybe fourth breath of life. Uh, because thanks to Apple and their M1 chips and the fact that people are sort of paying attention to ARM-based development for desktop, that Microsoft is finally going to put forth an effort after four previous years of saying they were there. This is really going to help push them. And the way they do that is by showcasing it, you know, kind of dogfooding. If they make their Surface Pro lines all just Surface Pro, and the only distinction is one has ARM and is fanless and has more battery versus one that is Intel has a fan. It's kind of like what they did with the MacBook. You know, you can get an Intel one, you can get an M1 one. At some point, I think ideally Microsoft's future is that they want to do a lot with a lot more with ARM. Their trans translation layer could use a little bit more work. Uh, you know, we would love to see people be able to use Adobe Premiere full, you know, full-fledged version on ARM device. And I think you know, at that point, you might have. Every YouTuber sold on Windows on ARM right now. That's been one of the big distinctions. Like, oh, we can do, you know, our video editing creations on a Mac one, but we can't do it on Windows on ARM. So it's, you know, pooey. We can't use it. Once they get that and that's the barrier to entry is, you know, lowered for that. And they can say, oh, I can do video uh, editing on this thing. I think we can start saying like, hey, Windows on ARM is a full-fledged uh, thing. I also believe that they're going to be putting some ARM devices into some of their laptops. Um, the other thing about ARM is that it comes with um, uh, LTE connectivity. So you're going to get you know some Surface devices, Surface laptops that have LTE connectivity, uh, some Surface Pros that have LTE connectivity. I don't know, aside from maybe battery life, what the big gain is for LTE, though, because uh, LTE variants is because, again, people don't want a secondary... Um, 
plan. You know, they don't want to another data plan. So LTE doesn't really mean much for businesses who are going to provide it. That's great. Um, but, you know, even then the connectivity is kind of spotty for, for whatever reason. Uh, but again, I think that, you know, whenever we have the service event, that that you know, seems to be a pretty good indicator that we're going to be seeing just the Surface Pro. Uh, and hopefully, you know, this is going to be the 10th anniversary of Surface Pro. So I don't know if they're just going to stick with the Surface Pro X for the entire line. And then you just have ARM or Surface Pro X ARM or Surface Pro X Intel. Maybe they'll do like um, uh, Lenovo does, where they indicate Surface Pro X I. Instead of AMD, they'd have you know Surface Pro X uh, Q for Qualcomm or something. I, I don't know. Uh, but that is a speculation. I believe that is all of the news for this week. I want to thank you guys all for hanging out with me and listening to some of my crazy theories uh, and keeping an eye on Microsoft and the EU as well. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns about how to make this podcast better, uh, always uh, let, leave them down in the comments. I would love more people to subscribe and follow us uh, on Microsoft. If not, you can always go visit the website. That's where we keep all of our news fresh and up to date. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, where we also keep... Uh, you know, just kind of the headlines to throw out there to get, see if you're interested in any of the news for the week. Uh, we also have our buddy Brad, who's over at uh, on Pinterest, who's keeping up with all the Xbox news. And like I said, as this acquisition starts to get rolling, get some steam behind it, I'm pretty sure we're going to have tons of news about that uh, and all the new release games that are being released. Um, yeah, as I want to say, I'm me, you're you. Have a good day.